It's I'll not, take it. It's I'll not take right. It. <laughs> but yeah, so this is, like I said, the first episode. It is officially going to be called the Pittsburgh Combat Sports Podcast. So I'm happy, honored to be joined with Adam Milstead, who you guys know from fighting around the region all the way up to the UFC, and now happily retired, doing the hunting, fishing life, family life, settling down, man. Adam, how are you today, man? Good, good. How are you, bud? Doing wonderful, dude. I mean, you got a dog, you got a beer, you got some countryside, you got a little fire. Life life looks pretty good for Adam Milstead right now. <laughs> it's it's not too bad. I mean, yet I had to take my shots, and I took a lot of shots over the years, but I always go back to uh, every anytime we do these things, I, I think about the first time that we like met, mm-hmm. and uh, what was it? That was down in West Virginia, and yep. I think I had just knocked out uh, Nate Bryant, and uh, and my hand is broke because I broke it over his head. I mean, it was, I don't know if you could see this on, on a thing, but you see how the knuckle is a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. It should be there, there but it's there. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> anyways. Uh, That's where it started. We, we Yeah, you like, you came up and I, th- I think you, you started talking to me and stuff like that and you interviewed me. And uh, anybody who interviews a fighter right after they get out of the cage they have a lot of editing to do like (laughs) like between like number one trying to make sense of what the heck they just said at the same time trying to keep it pg-13 and stuff like that and uh i remember our interview and it was uh i i said some weird stuff like stuff that didn't really make sense at all and then and then i i i read the interview later on like a couple days later i was like huh that actually sounds pretty good <laughs> you know they, make you that sound good a man. Guy, man he he made me sound smarter than i really am you yeah if you, you want to know exactly how good of a guy i was in full disclosure i was working for wvu west virginia university school newspaper at the time and the whole reason I was there was, A, I loved mixed martial arts and just wanted to cover some fights. But B, Bam Bryant was like our local guy. And everybody thought, you know, he might be the next heavyweight from the area. So they're like, hey, we want you to go there. When Bam wins, you know, definitely talk to him and hype him up. You know, it was like one of those deals. I was like, hey, he got beat. I got to talk to the guy who beat him. And then, yeah, like you said, it, it just it started from there. And, dude, that's it's funny you mentioned that fight because I literally – I was trying to find your Nick Smiley knockout online and I cannot find a video of that thing anywhere, but I did. Yeah. But I did come across the BAM one and I was like, I forgot how weird that knockout was. Like BAM was just half starting to stand up and you were just like, now just crunched him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) My, my buddy calls it the human sacrifice. It looked like he was just kind of like standing up waiting for me to take his head off or something. It it did. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that punch, that's what, that's why I said. I, I, that original punch me like you know what i'm just gonna go in for it and just ran in and and he put his head down right at the time that i made contact and just hit him right in the forehead but yeah so got got the job done nonetheless but dude it's it's funny that you kind of started by talking about the injuries that you suffered because that that was definitely something that i wanted to talk about because one thing that I think people forget about with mixed martial arts is like a lot of you guys aren't training to be mixed martial artists originally. Like you're not growing up thinking, Oh, I'm going to, you know, fight. I'm going to make it to the UFC. I'm going to be a fighter for a living. Like your first passion was football. Right. And right, that got, that got derailed with a knee injury. So like by the time you came into MMA, you were already suffering injuries in your life. Like you already kind of came in injured. So to just go through that, like, can you just talk about kind of the, 
what you had to put your body through just to even make it where you did. It's kind of ridiculous. Oh man. It's, uh, you know, when I first started training, fighting uh, to learn how to fight, basically I was training to be a good fighter. And then as you grow older in a sport, you know, you, you get your skill set, and then you start trying to train to avoid injuries a lot of times. So it's like ha half of your time, you're, you're learning new techniques, techniques, you're getting in shape. And then the other time is you're either prehabbing or rehabbing one of those mm -hmm. things. And man, dude, I I've had, I've had so many, and uh, I, I, I thought football was going to have some injuries, but I mean, it was after football I tore my ACL and, uh, and then that's when I decided to go into to mixed martial arts. And I was pretty injury free for a while. And then the more you go up, the harder the fights get and uh, the more force you got to put on your body. And man, I, I think I went through, I had seven knee surgeries, no, six knee surgeries. I had an elbow surgery. I had uh, liver laceration, broken nose, broken hand. Um, there's so many different things I had. And, you know, if you think about it in a roughly seven, eight year span, when I started getting injured, which was like around my professional career. Yeah. That kind of sucked. And, uh, you know, that, that's, and the, that's the problem that like, like we see what happened with Conor McGregor, you know, that it happens, it, you know, that's a sport of mixed martial arts. When you, when you push your body to the limit that much and that hard, Injuries are bound to happen, but, um, you know, yeah, I think, I think the worst injury that I had was when I fought Curtis blades and, um, it was within the first round of first 30 seconds, uh, blades ended up taking me down and, and he got behind me, picked me up and slammed me. And as, as he did that, my, my leg hit the ground, my hip hit, my foot hit, my knee felt like it kept going and I could feel the knee do this when it hit the ground and I knew something was screwed up, but then I went back to my previous fight with, um, uh, Tex, Tex Tresmegistus, which was out of, um, what was that? Gladiators of cage. Mm -hmm. I fought at, uh, stage AE and that, um, I remember I, I tweaked my knee and, uh, ended up breaking my, or tearing my MCL or not MCL, uh, meniscus. And it felt like it got dislodged. But anyways, I, I ended up winning the fight. I came back and I won the fight and I ended up submitting them. And I was in that point in Curtis Blades' fight, I was thinking about that previous fight. And I was like, I got this. I got this. And uh, I went out there to the second round and uh, defended his takedown. And then he pulled me against the cage. And then in front of everybody in Super Bowl weekend in Houston, my knee goes like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. And I fall down and... Yeah, that sucked. I ended up tearing my ACL, tore a little bit of my MCL, tore my meniscus. So I had almost the trifecta yeah. in knee injuries. But yeah, so it comes with the sport, man. It, it's tough. And that's what happens a lot of the times. And people, people always want to look at, you know, the cool techniques and stuff like that. I love to see fighters being able to, number one, protect themselves. Uh, I like to see fighters train into, uh, you know, prehabbing, which is a big, big, portion of of your training in mixed martial arts um but it happens man that's that's the sport it sucks but it happens no doubt man now that you can look back and you know being that this is kind of the 247 podcast here 
what would you tell a young fighter that that is just developing just as an amateur like how can they because like you said injuries are going to happen and it's a full contact combat sport injuries are obviously going to happen but what do you wish you had done differently now looking back uh, you know there's there's a lot of little stuff that could have made a big difference but if i'm looking back i mean honestly it's 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 taken enough time to rest and recover I think a lot of times, especially new new guys getting into this, they try to work through these injuries. And a problem with working through the injuries is that you're going to end up doing yourself uh, more pain in the future, man. Because you know your your body, your body's weird. It's not going to if you injure yourself and try working through it, you're going to create a lasting problem that's going to eventually something bad's going to happen later on. And uh, that's not what you want to do. You want to try to avoid that as much as possible. And taking your time is probably one of the biggest things that you can do to avoid that. So, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, taking, taking my time and then, uh, really seeking out good professional help, you know, not like just some gypsy off the street who's going to do some weird black magic on you to make you feel better. I'm talking real professional help. Hey, you know, do this, do some, um, you know, uh, good actual uh prehab stuff rehab stuff things that are helping tighten up your muscle and keeping you uh basically keep your structure sound Mm -hmm. so yeah and it's kind of a catch-22 i think right because you want to take care of your body but at the same time you have to be trained for the fight you have to be in the gym a lot you have to be pushing your body to the limit just to get better so i'm sure Mm -hmm. you've experienced it where Maybe you knew something wasn't quite right, but at the same time, you got a fight coming up, man, and you got to be ready. So that's the balance, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's it's tough to get, man. It's it's chaotic, but um, whenever you're, uh, when you ever, the idea that we that we place inside mixed martial arts is that you've got to work, 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 work. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Yeah, there's times for that, but also there's times for you to really kind of hone in on being able to make sure your body is ready. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the biggest problems in training is, and one of the biggest issues that's really difficult to kind of get down on, there's only a few camps out there that can really, really do this, especially with well-coached fighters, but being able to, um, what do they call it? Gaining your peak Mm -hmm. in your training, which means that, that by the time fight comes around, you're peaking in both your, uh your cardio your strength your techniques but also your your health making sure your health is is taken care of um a lot of guys i mean and there's been times my first pro fight i didn't realize this but my first pro fight i went in there with a broken jaw i had no idea my my jaw was broken yeah and and that was and ultimately i think that's what kind of led me to getting that flash knockout with dane bonningson um i ended up uh just going in there doing some stupid spinny back kick and he just caught me a little bit on the chin. I went, went down, went right back up, referee called it, but either, or I went into the doctors later on and they were like, Oh yeah, <clears throat> you know, your jaws broke. I was like, well, I remember, you know, three weeks ago I was sparring up at Tommy and Kello's and one of their boxers hit me real hard. And I felt, it felt real weird in my jaw and I never did anything about it. I never went to the doctors, never did anything. I just kind of fought through it. And uh, about like two, two rounds later, I said, Hey, that's it. And I went, ended up winning home. But then 
had I taken the time to actually gotten some help, gotten some, you know, professional help, I would have been a little bit better off uh, in the long run. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, these injuries, they'll don't make something of you. That's for sure. I mean, you'll, you'll get the idea of not to quit, but also take your time too and be smart about it. Don't jump into something that uh, you're not ready for, especially from what we saw, like the most recent, obviously is Conor McGregor. You know, he was saying that, Oh, you know, he injured himself before. And if he injured himself before, it's shame on him mm-hmm. for getting in there with a fractured ankle or something like that. But I don't think that's what happened. I think he broke his ankle on that, on that check kick. But, yeah. It seems that way. Yeah, that's yeah. Fu- that's funny. Like I thought the same thing. I was like, well, if you went in and you knew you were injured, then this is on you. Like that's not even a valid excuse at that point. You know what I mean, <laughs> dude? But also, I was glad you. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it was a loss for you. But I was glad you mentioned mentioned Dane Bonningson because I was just looking at his record today. What a weird career that guy had. And I don't know if you followed it at all, but he fought you, Josh Stansberry, and Dan Spawn, and called it a day, and that was it. But like, yeah. what a what a run of like three dudes who made it to the UFC. He ended up facing and that was it. You know what I mean? Like what an unreal stretch that guy had. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I, uh, and it, it was crazy too. Cause he, he's, uh, I think he's actually like a science teacher or something like that. He's a teacher or whatever, but I, I thought it was just kind of an odd combination, almost like kind of like the movie, the warrior, but, um, yeah. uh, it was, which is also filmed in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that guy, I mean, you know, I, I've got no resentment to him. And of course, uh, you know, that's what happens in fighting. You, you get clipped and sometimes you get a bad call. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, you went in, you went into Bellator. Did, what did he do? Did he fought one time at Bellator and spawn knocked about nine yeah. seconds or something? Yeah, it was spawn. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So um, yeah, strange, strange how that all works out. But uh, you know, he, he had the ability to make, I think if he went lower, I think if he went to 185, he would have been a little bit better off. He had the wrestling. Mm-hmm. uh down pat and at that time too i think mixed martial arts has evolved quite a lot yes um you know it, it used to be real wrestling dominated but now we're starting to see wrestlers stand up and strike a little bit now and you know we're starting to get more of a i don't know more of a mixed mm-hmm. sort of thing but back then i mean what was it uh randy couture was still kind of relevant uh we had uh you had uh uh, who was another real good wrestler back at Matthews. Uh, you yeah. know, these guys were, were dominating. There were just generally wrestlers who had decent amount of jujitsu and a little bit of striking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it is what it is. That's how the fight game goes, man. It's, 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 uh, it's almost luck of the draw sometimes, you know? Yeah, man. What do you, what do you see locally? Do you still train? Like, I, I really don't know. Are you still in the gym ever? Are you still around the sport? honestly man i i i I took the last three years after after i retired and all i wanted to do was i wanted to fish i wanted to hunt i wanted to drink beer so (laughs) you know and uh because literally the last 12 the last 12 years of my life have been going out or uh going going to work coming home as soon as i get home i grab my stuff and i go to the gym and i train till about you know nine o'clock at night come home get some rest go back and do it again i was doing that on average five to six days a week for 11 to 12 years man and there's a lot of things that i missed out in life a lot of a lot of opportunities i could have had and things that i'm passionate about and you know such as like fishing and mm-hmm. hunting and things like that and uh, i said you know what i'm going to avoid you know, trying to get in the gym because here's number one thing that I'm going to run into 
Sorry, there's a lot of geese. Nice. I, I hear them a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing I was going to try to avoid is trying to get back in a competitive fighting as much as I want to, as much as it still like burns deep down inside me that I know I could get out there and compete mm-hmm. at least on a higher level than I, you know, a lot of people at this age would do. Um, it would just send me back into that lifestyle, man. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, the, the, I, I didn't really talk about this after the fight, but uh, after the Rodriguez fight in Milwaukee, um, you know, I laid my gloves down. I took a hellacious knee to the liver, dude. It was one of the worst, one of the worst stomach pains that I've ever had. Yeah. I can you not, I, I've been hit by a couple of Tommy and Killers guys in the, in the liver, man. And I, you know, dropped like a rock and you like seize up and stuff like that. But it was, you know, during those times that, you know, I was just kind of taking it easy sparring wise, obviously take your break, you know, ow, that hurt. Okay. You know, get back up. And in the back of my mind, knowing that if that was to happen to fight, I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. But when this knee hit me, dude, oh my God, I dropped. I mean, I absolutely dropped and I just sat there. I just held, I was like, go ahead, hit me in the face, man. Hit. I don't care. I, I sat there like this. I said, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know if the, you know, how much time was left. I, maybe in the back of my head, I was hoping that there was like 10 seconds left. The referee was going to let it go, but man, that was the worst pain. And uh, anyways, uh, you know, the, the, the USC was getting kind of angry at me because I was trying to, trying to get my gloves off and they're like, yeah, just get out of the cage, just get out of the cage. I was like, cause I knew at that particular moment that I was going to be retired. And, mm-hmm. and a part of me also said that I didn't want the UFC to tell me that I was cut. I, 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 I don't know if I could take that physically or yeah. mentally. Yeah, so yeah, right. I, I said, I'm ending it my, my own way. And I laid it down. But anyways, I, I, I went out and did the kind of uh, post fight medical examination and they said, uh, you know, we're just going to take you to the hospital and, and just get you checked out and stuff like that. You know, I was like, guys, I'm fine. I just got hit in the liver, whatever. I'm ready to drink and start having fun, you know. And uh, they took me in an ambulance and uh, went went to uh, went to the hospital. Uh, they checked me out and stuff like that. And they put me in a CT scan and uh, they did a CT scan of my organs. And uh, I got back into the room and I'm sitting there with my one of my quartermen um, and I'm just kind of just chilling out, talking a little bit. And all of a sudden I get like five or six nurses coming in. They're all getting prepped up. They're like this, putting on stuff, you know, getting scalpels and shit out of the stuff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on? Here comes the doctor. He's like, all right, Adam, here's the problem, man. He's like, the issue is we found a laceration on your liver. He's like, we got to get that thing open because right now it's real too, it's too close to the artery. We got to fix this thing. We're going to do it. We got to get you open right now. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. Jeez. I'm, you know, I'm like getting lightheaded. I was like, you guys are literally just going to cut me open right now. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, they're prepping anesthesia. And uh, I said, guys, chill. I, I said, hold up. And then the other doctor, he, he came in, he looked at me, he's like, why aren't you killed over in pain right now? I was like, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I got hit in the liver. I, you know, it sucks, whatever. I got a little bruising, but it happens. He's like, we're just going to keep you here and monitor you for the next two days. So I sat in Milwaukee for the next two days, eating crappy hospital food, not drinking beer. And, uh, you know, listening to how, how close I was to a possible, you know, emergency surgery you know oh my god laceration to 
close to your nerve to a vital organ like that you know you have a lot of internal bleeding and stuff like that it doesn't heal quite as quickly and stuff like that so you got to close it up you know it, it could be a, a scary situation well anyways the reason why I haven't been back to the gym is because I know that if I get in there and I start training and start busting my butt like I did, I'm going to get the itch again. I'm going to want to get back in there and I'm going to put myself, possibly put myself in that situation again. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, not, not that it was, of course it was scary. It's just, it's like, it's so, it's so not necessary for me anymore. I made it, man. I made it. I made it to UFC. You know, I, I can live with content there um, and uh, just be happy and, and work on other things in my life, work on other endeavors that I have. So, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Well, I mean, there's a reason, obviously, besides the fact that I just like you as a dude and and everything that I wanted you to be the first guest on the podcast is because you did reach that height and you gained a lot of incredible perspective along the way. I think the way that you've handled your post-fighting career could be kind of a template for a lot of younger guys, man, because like you said, you said – what do I want to do now? Because another thing that we haven't necessarily mentioned yet was even when you were in the UFC, you were still working on the pipeline too. Like you weren't yeah. able to just make that your full-time job. So like you've been grinding on a whole different level for a long time. So for, yeah. you, to, for you to get out and just start fishing and drinking beer and hunting and doing the things you love, I think that's kind of the template for guys like, Hey, put your body through this now, do it now. And then when you're 35, you know, you can just be living. And then that's absolutely. Good. Yeah. There's uh, that that's so important on so many levels, but the most important level of that being your mental, the, the, your mental fortitude to be able to deal with the fact that the last, you know, few decades of your life, you have been doing nothing and having one goal and having that tunnel vision and the fact that all of a sudden now you have no goal, no tunnel vision. It's like, yeah. where do you go from here? You know, and it can really get distraught for a lot of guys. Um, so I got a cool opportunity um, to work with uh, Jay Glazer um, from uh, he's out in California, but he's a big uh, sports announcer for Bellator uh, as well as Sports Center and stuff like that. But he has this thing called MVP, it's Merging Bets and Players. And what this was is kind of like a, um, you know, a program for uh, both combat veterans as well as um, retired professional athletes, because both kind of, you know, not not trying to place myself in, in a combat veteran mindset because they're on a whole nother level of how mentally that could really mess you up um but still in a sense that where professional athletes still have a problem after retirement or after you know maybe they had this goal in mind and they just weren't able to truly capture it and uh, yeah. they got to live with it for the rest of their life and the problem with that is is that you know i don't know if you, you start regretting but you start getting down on yourself and there's there's so many cases where where people just you know, couldn't take it anymore. They, yeah. you know, between combat veterans and even professional athletes, I've heard stories of professional athletes couldn't take the life anymore. They had nothing left to live for. They said that was it. And, and that's it. So anyways, this, this program helps those guys. They, they get together every week and they, and they talk about the problems and mental problems that they have. And man, I've heard some absolutely insane stories. Um, and ultimately what I gained from it, you know, after, retiring and learning and hearing about how combat vets because it, it isn't always about ptsd with those guys too it's also the same as um 
you know, fighting or doing some sort of professional sport, um, you, you, you suddenly lose that camaraderie you have with everybody else. You, you suddenly lose your purpose that you had in life and man, it gets real tough. And, uh, you know, I heard some absolutely insane stories and ultimately it made me realize that, Hey, um, you've got to have, you've got to have a plan, uh, sort of a backup plan whenever this does end, because it will end. Nobody lasts forever. Look what happened to Anderson Silva. Look what's happened to all the, the, the higher level guys we used to see as legends. They, they don't live forever, man. They don't, you know, and, uh, uh, they eventually fade away and, and you've got to have something that you're excited about, something that you're passionate about beyond mixed martial arts, beyond professional fighting, beyond, um, you know, fighting for our great nation. Um, those things, uh, it's really important for you to have so that whenever your purpose that you have been working for ends, that you gain another purpose in life, you know. Right. So um, super important for maybe that's another plan. And like I said, you know, your post post-fight career is just as important as your fight career itself that you take care of yourself and you you uh you know have other passions in your life ready to go to jump into and enjoy uh stuff that probably doesn't give you lacerated livers and torn acls and concussions and stuff like that i can't say i've ever lacerated my liver typing on my keyboard man so i'm gonna stay like right over here my liver the only thing that can damage my liver is is the beer <laughs> <laughs> right. that was, i was most i was i was most distraught about that the fact that i just retired from my fight career and i could not drink so uh, the fun thing is they they uh they sent me home there oh, okay all right it looks like you're fine i was like i knew it was fine from the beginning whatever i told so you that said, yeah yeah and they they sent me home and they were like you're good to go so i went back to the hotel and the first thing i did was like let's try this thing out <laughs> you know and i drank a beer i was like yeah we're good <laughs> we're good <laughs> That's so, hilarious, man. Yeah. Do you remember what kind of beer? Was it your dogfish head 60 minutes? It was absolutely dogfish. My, my buddy Tyler Malotnik that I do the Thirsty Outdoorsman stuff with, uh, he, he was there and out of the goodness of his heart decided to stay for the next two days, you know. And when I got when I got back to the hotel, he popped one out of the fridge and gave it to me. I was like, Yeah, buddy. So, <laughs> that's, that's true yeah. friendship right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yep. I feel like like I don't I didn't mean to put such a negative tone on this interview. Like we've talked about oh, a lot no, of the no, no, no. Yeah. No, yeah, we've talked about like a lot of the bad stuff about fighting a lot of the the rigors that you'll put your body through and things like that but i mean what what made it such an appealing profession because i and i know we've talked about this before in the past like there was a time where you were ready to give up before you actually did retire like what what about fighting made it so unique to you and worth pushing through and worth putting your body through all that and pursuing uh it was it was unique i, I liked it because it was uh something you don't really hear about a lot um especially it, I, I hate to keep saying this, but I mean, even now that it's a part of mixed martial arts, we're still seeing, we're, we're seeing more of a, or now it's becoming a part of a, what is it? ESPN. ESPN mm -hmm. has kind of taken over mixed martial arts and it's starting to get its notoriety that it's always deserved. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when you tell somebody like walking, walking on the street, Hey, what do you do? Or how'd you get that black guy? Or what'd you do there? You know? Oh, I'm actually a professional uh, cage fighter. Yeah. You know, and people are like, Ooh. oh, that's weird. You know, and yeah. it, 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 it's interesting. And it's kind of like it's kind of like we're starting to see like you know, the bare knuckle stuff is coming back into play. You know, I mm -hmm. think it's like it's real odd and interesting. And a lot of people like it. Uh, but at the same time, I think the thing that I liked most about mixed martial arts was the fact that you were 
you were your own business and you can take care of your own business how you wish, how you please, but also how much work you can put in. And what I loved about it is the fact that when you put a lot of work in, you got a lot of stuff out of it. Dude, yeah. mixed martial arts has opened so many doors for me that I had no idea would have been possible for me. Like I got I got a chance to uh, star in movies and reality TV series. Uh, I got a chance to uh, meet some incredible people, um, you know, and, and just be a part of some really cool situations in life. Like, like Dana White renting out a whole resort for all the UFC fighters in Las Vegas this one time. And we all went there and partied and yeah, yeah, of course you're going to have problems. And that was fun to see, but you know, it, it, was, uh, it was really interesting. Uh, but you know, there, there's, and, and even the opportunities that being a mixed martial artist, a professional mixed martial artist gave you, um, you know, being a, you know, what you said, you know, the Maryland guy coming up to Pittsburgh, man, you know, honestly, I, I would think I would have been maybe a little bit further along, you know, maybe more in a local scene had I fought in Maryland, but instead I came to a brand new area. And a great thing about mixed martial arts is it got me to meet so many cool ass people, people like you, people like uh, Mark Cherico, people yeah. like, um, you know, Chris Williams from Fight Club, Kama Worthy, got me to meet uh, you know, all different promoters and things like that. And you just start gaining these like friendships and camaraderies that you never knew you could have that, that like a, uh, just a normal guy who has no friends who came to a brand new area starting fresh can all of a sudden just have kind of this sort of like family and Pittsburgh kind of, kind of gave me that opportunity. So. Yeah, man. And it's funny you mentioned all those names. I feel like we could go on and on talking about the names in Pittsburgh when you came in, man. We produced some incredible fighters just in that time. Like you said, it was brand new not long ago. Like it's still absolutely blossoming here. What mm -hmm. what can you say about kind of the Pittsburgh fighting community as a whole? Like what was it like to be a part of that as it was coming up? Like you said, around all these good people, some others that made it to Bellator and the UFC and things like that. Man, I, I, I think uh, nowadays we're starting to really get those hardcore fans. I think that, you know, uh, we're getting sort of that, uh, you know, everybody's starting to understand the local guys and starting to understand how the local guys have opportunities to go big time. But back in the day, it was almost like a cult following. It was like every fight you went to, there were just people who just love fighting. You know, they just, they would go to these places just to root on these local guys. You know, you got a guy from Bloomfield or you got a guy from uh, Beaver, or you got a guy from Aliquippa or something like that. And, and, and you get these little, little pods and groups of people that will go there and what was really cool back in the day it was almost like a uh it was almost like a like an old martial arts style scenario where you got you got like a dojo facing yep. off another dojo and a facing off another dojo and it's and either and these these little places were represented by little towns mm -hmm. in and around pittsburgh and um you know, I think it's really cool because, you know, of course, yeah, we, we got that opportunity to get that camaraderie, kind of build relationships, and then we start training alongside one another. And it was strange, too, because, you know, you would train with a guy and then you have no idea, but maybe three months down the road, you're going to be fighting him, you know? <laughs> right. Real, it was real tight niched, and uh, it's starting to blossom, like you said. It's starting to make its rounds, get a little bit bigger radius-wise, and... Uh, 
Pittsburgh's just a hard working town, man. You know, I think what really draws us and makes us who we are is number one, our wrestling programs here have, have been exceptional. Um, at the same time, it's, um, you know, just hard working, you know, blue collar guys who go to work and steel mills and, and stuff like that. And then when they get done, they've, they've got a little bit of time left and they go to the gym and they bust their butt and, you know, train and put on a show for all the, all the awesome people in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And that's, what's really cool. It's what draws a lot of guys locally here together. Exactly, man. And they all take so much pride in it. I think that's what you see. Like I tell everybody, all my friends who, you know, if, if your friends like mixed martial arts, chances are they like the UFC and Bellator, but they maybe haven't checked out a local show. And I always tell them that's the biggest mistake, man. Like these local shows I've dude, I've covered Conor McGregor fights, GSP fade. I've seen a Fedor fight ringside. Like I I've been there and I've also been at, you know, two, four, seven shows and everything cage side. There's something really special about local shows. And I think you definitely touched right on it, how it's kind of that dojo versus dojo. Like there's such a strong sense of community at local shows and you can just feel that you're part of this thing and you're all here together for the same reason. You're all doing the same thing. There's something really special about it that I think people owe to themselves that if you like MMA at all, like get to a local show. Like, do you still feel that when you're at a local show today? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, something I got a chance to do, and it's not really off topic, but, you know, it, it feels almost the same way. I don't know if you've ever been to a local professional wrestling show. Yeah, you know, I have. It, I have. It, it, there's a lot. There's a lot. Speaking of, there, there's a lot of MMA guys like Shane Schmacky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these guys are actually in, in like professional wrestling. It's kind of really cool. But, I mean, boy, it's so tight niched, man. It's like these guys, these same guys you see at every single show. It's just like they're true fight fans, um, you know, and, and those people get it, too. It's like you don't get the normal. I mean, back in the day, we used to have it like, you know, oh, soccer kick them or elbow, elbow in every <laughs> yeah. amateur fight. I hate hearing an elbow in every amateur fight. Um, <laughs> but you're starting to get see, you're starting to see guys who were 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 carrying stats around who uh, know the rules of mixed martial arts, know if it's a professional fight, if they have had less than three fights in the amateur division, if it's, uh, you know, if it's uh, a title fight and what you do there, there's a lot of people out there starting to really kind of get to know mixed martial arts and it's starting to get inside their blood. And it's like, this is such an awesome time to be a mixed martial artist because it's like, like I said before, ESPN is really starting to know, uh, give it some notoriety. You have, you have, all the old school, um, you know, normal boxing guys, but also just regular football, baseball, just the regular major league sports start to give some interest in mixed martial arts because of what ESPN is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, now granted, maybe their, com- their uh, um, commentary could be a little bit better, a little uh, bit more uh, in-depth and uh, expert you know, has some expertise in that situation. But beyond that, it's really starting to kind of uh, blossom some of these older generational guys, which is what we need in mixed martial arts to get them to start noticing it. And they're starting to. And uh, I don't know if you know this. So the Milwaukee fight was the last fight on Fox, okay. on Fox Sports before it transferred over to ESPN, of course. Mm-hmm. So not, not that like Fox Sports was bad. But when mixed martial, when UFC transferred over into ESPN, I really think it it started drawing in a lot of those uh, those older generations into the sport. And you know, there, I work with 
a, a few older guys at work. And uh, as soon as it got the ESPN, boy, they started talking about Conor McGregor. They started talking about Dustin Poirier. They started talking about, you know, Steve Miocic and all these guys. And uh, it was really, uh, it was really interesting to see. But, uh, you know, like I said, I wish I was a fighter now because, man, the sky's the limit for these guys. They really sure. are. It's yeah. true, man. What do you make of kind of the current scene? Because it is, it's a really weird, obviously you're pretty hype on it. You just said you'd love to fight now and get that exposure, but it's in this weird place where it's like all the Jake Paul fight, all that kind of stuff is just all anybody wants to read. Like yep. on one hand, if people are paying for it, Hey, I get it. Like if that's, what's popular, I've run websites. I understand that you need those views and you need those clicks. So I get mm -hmm. that. But at the same time, somebody like you, like you were saying, like you've come from this purest place where you did work your way up through the regional ranks and put in the hard time. What do you make of just the current state of things like that? Well, if we're getting on like the Jake Paul subject, man, here's the thing, you know, I, I give credit where credit's due. The kid, worked his way up made a youtube channel people started following i don't know why but they did and uh you know he created this crazy following and in this following was probably guys who knew nothing about combat sports knew nothing about that and all of a sudden jake paul gets in this what he did he's just he created a whole new fan base to kind of transfer over to the combat sports world which ultimately and i dig him for this is trying to get mixed martial arts more money yes. you know ultimately um you know get guys like who i was who was working their ass off you know working 10 12 hours on a pipeline and going training i would have loved to have had the opportunity to give that up so that i can focus on just strictly my mixed martial arts and to think like where would i would have been had i not had a full job would mm -hmm. i have been high up there what i've been top 10 now what i've been you know who knows and what i think it's going to do is ultimately start creating better fighters uh so mm -hmm. we're going to start creating a new realm of fighters that is just going to be insane you know when they start getting that money but beyond that like the, the whole scene that's happening right now i don't hate it i i i um and and i'm going to be different from all the traditionalists because honestly exposure is exposure you know, whether or not you hate it, whether or not you love it, it's exposure. And, you know, if I was to coach somebody, I would tell them, hey, man, it's up to you. It's honestly up to you how you want to roll with your career. You can either be a the good guy and you go out there and get a following off of being a good guy, doing what you're supposed to do, you know, whatever it may be that you reach out to the other community and you get people to follow you. Or you could be the bad guy yeah. and you get people to hate you people to dislike you but either or sells because right. if you're a good guy i can tell you it's a lot easier to make it when you're a bad guy that if you're a bad guy that's good at fighting it's easier to make it than it is a good guy good at fighting i hate to say it but that's the way it works <laughs> you know why it's because people are entertained people are excited people want to see drama people like um they like i don't know just something different you know you can either get people to buy tickets to either watch you win or watch you lose. That's what, right. it, what, what it comes down to. And, um, you know, the whole Jake Paul thing, again, it's given us notoriety. It's given us exposure. It's given us an opportunity. You got a guy, even though he's a YouTube guy, but he's rich and he's got millions of dollars and he's uh, got this notoriety and he's, he's actually put a lot of stuff out there to get people on board of getting fighters more money. I'm all for it. Yeah. But the traditionalism in me says, 
screw that guy. He has no idea how hard it is to make it yeah. from like this, the, the lower end, work your way up, fighting, getting concussions, you know, fighting in bars, fighting in parking lots. You know, this guy has no idea where some of these guys come from. And I think that's where a lot of the respect kind of gets lost. But, you know, like I said, man, uh, exposure, exposure, it's good. Um, just bring us out there. I mean, why did the pride work for so long? You know, why did the pride work for so long? Because you could soccer kick in the head because you, you had, you had freaking Hongman Choi versus, uh, um, Fedor Melianenko. You yeah. got a, like a six foot nine, seven foot two guy <laughs> versus a five eleven guy. You know, it's spectacles. It's little things. It's entertainment. People love that. They love it. You know, uh, and you know, I, I don't know if I want to get that deep into it but i'm a little afraid of how far we're going to go in the future because it's like what happens when mixed martial arts starts to fade a little bit people are like no that, that's okay it's like it was like boxing like oh mm-hmm. you know how they're saying boxing oh it's just a bunch of you know fighting with pillows on their hands right it's all, right you know whatever you know what are we going to do we're going to start getting the prison fights next we're going to start doing right. like you've seen the movie death race when when uh <laughs> Um, Jason Statham was was uh, doing that, and they're they're in order to get out of prison, you gotta you gotta race in this thing, you gotta yeah, shoot yeah. people with cars, shit. Like who who knows what it's gonna come to? Because people just need entertainment, entertainment, entertainment. So, like I said again, just exposure is exposure. Let it happen, let it play itself out, and uh, we'll get some more money behind us and pushing guys that really deserve it to the to the top, man. For sure, dude. How how would you know? Like, I always thought this was funny with the trash talking because you mentioned how being a bad guy that's good at fighting can be so beneficial. And I think of a guy like Colby Covington, right? Like his job was literally on the line. Like if people remember, he didn't talk that way his whole UFC career. It wasn't until he literally got a phone call that said, look, man, after this fight, it was the Damian Maya fight. We're not going to re-extend you after this. Like, if you lose, you're gone because you're boring to watch. Nobody really cares to watch your fights. Like, they told him that hard truth. So, he was like, okay, first of all, he won the fight, so it wasn't a problem. But then that's when he turned that character around. That's when he did the filthy Brazilians thing and, and did all that and just went off the rails. How do yeah. you know? How do you know when you've pushed trash talk too far? Because, like, I think about that at local shows all the time. Like, if a dude says the wrong thing, he might have to meet a group of people out in the parking lot and deal with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, uh, so, um, all right, because it's relevant, we're going to talk about the Conor McGregor stuff. Um, so Conor McGregor is probably notoriously one of the most best trash talkers out there. Absolutely. Now, back in the day when he was starting to fight, uh, you know, Josie Aldo and, uh, you know, these guys, um, he had a trash talk, but the trash talk was funny. The trash talk was entertaining, but his recent stuff, when he started bringing in people's wives, when he brought in Gus Puyo's wife, uh, his kids, uh, talking about murder, I, that's pushing a little too far, yeah. you know, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's just like you're running out of material or something like that. But if you're running out of material, man, and you, you, you've built a following off of being a trash talker and you're starting to run out of material, there's no problem with just being a good guy. You know, you, you could do that. If you're like, crap, I ran out of material, you know, like, hey, you know, beyond that, I just want to give thanks to Dustin Poirier. You're, you're going to get followers that way. You're going to get people who are like, you know what? Yeah, he's a trash talker, but in good, like, 
good humor, like, you know, and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. I said, you keep, keep children out, keep your wives out, keep race out. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. You know, uh, once that that's out of it, I, I think you're good. But if you start getting that stuff, it's getting a little too far. Yeah. I feel like Chael Sonnen did it the best of anybody ever where he, oh, he would yeah, go hard. Just that's hilarious true. though. He, he was, and everybody to this day still thinks he's hilarious and he can still play that character when he needs to like, and he, and he was kind of one of the guys too, where he wasn't the best fighter. You know, he wasn't the champ was never the champ, but he was always more popular than the champ. Despite the fact that the champ was freaking Anderson Silva. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I mean, um, you know, you could take a lot of things from that. You could say, Oh, well, it's because he's American, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, there's more generally a, a wider uh, base of, of fans in America than the rest of the world. Sure. But at the same time, yeah, he was funny. And, most of his stuff was in good taste. Like, mm-hmm. like I'll tell you, and I hate to give him notoriety on this, but Mark Cherico is a, is is a fantastic. <laughs> and and if you grew up with him in mixed martial arts, you would understand that. Boy, he knows how to push your buttons, <laughs> but it's it's not like he he pushes your buttons to the point where you want to like smash his face in a wall. It was just pushes buttons that you want to just choke him unconscious a little bit you know? <laughs> just uh, a little bit just a yeah, little just bit a little bit but you know chael sonam yeah you're right absolutely i i take that back conor mcgregor's a, a great trash talker but chael sonam was way he was on a whole different level yeah and um you know like i said it was he was in good taste um and he could he could push your buttons but it wasn't anything like he he truly got crazy personal I mean, there was a few times he started doing that. And uh, ultimately, I think it kind of led to his demise when he later left and went to Bellator. But beyond that, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> each his own, you know, if you uh, if you want to do that, go ahead, man. Uh, just be good at it, because if you're not good at trash talking, you're going to look like a dummy. You know? <laughs> no doubt, man. And not, not to give him too much notoriety, like you said, but is Cherico the best trash talker locally? Is, is he the 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 king of the mount rushmore pittsburgh trash talkers ah <laughs> uh, yeah i'm gonna have to say yeah he is uh <laughs> i just he's just that he's just i don't know he's got that i don't know if there's a bloomfield thing or what but i mean yeah he's he's got something in him that it's just like you know it, every time i came into the gym i had just worked my ass off at the job and got in there and tired and like Adam, what are you doing? You know, why are you late? Where you got, you know, stuff like that. Just, just hearing his voice, you're like, it was a good taste. And yeah, I, I think probably he's, he's probably the best local trash talker out there. So. That's great, dude. How, how's Kama's trash talk game? He, he seems like he's a guy who could be like surgical with it, like quiet, he, but always says the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> Kama, Kama's on a, he, he's on he's on his own level as far as as being having the trash talk but at the same time being like that kind of like that um he get you hyped a little bit about it you nice. know uh so he's, he's got that motivational factor Jericho's just one of those guys who just makes you like oh god just stop you know like i'm <laughs> worthy he's like like ah yeah you're right all right i'll get it you know yeah yeah um, yeah, so Kama Worthy's kind of like on his own level as far as trash talk, motivational, but still kind of pushed the buttons a little bit. I don't know if you if you've ever heard any of my videos that I have ever done inside Fight Club yeah. or inside of uh, the academy. I, I I would be training or sparring 
And somewhere in the background, you could just hear comma. Just, he could be like, I don't know, the next door down, you would still hear him. <laughs> like, it's just, he's so loud. But again, like I said, he's got his own version. Mark's got his own version. So that's what happens when you grow up with a bunch of local Pittsburgh guys, you know? A, a bunch of hooligans, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's what, and again, man, that's another thing about the local shows, like just tying it back to kind of, what you would get at a 247 show if you guys have never been to one of the events like you get all that trash talk you get to hear all of it because it's such a smaller venue like it's so much more intimate you know what i mean like there's just i can't say it enough and it, and it's not because we're here on the 247 pocket like i would be saying this anywhere i tell people this all the time like you can go to ufc show out in vegas it's great you're going to have a good time but just go in your backyard instead like it's just as good yeah. to me i think it's honestly just as awesome of, a, of an experience Oh, no, it's, um, yeah, if, well, number one, I'm all for, you know, support me here so that when, you know, I get to where I need to get to, you know, I, I've, I've, I've had you, you know, your support from the beginning, you know, I'm all about, you know, supporting the guys because ultimately that's what led me to my success in the UFC was being able to have the support from a local scene. Yep. Um, and uh, ultimately I, I took the good guy, um, route and uh, try to be as nice as possible, shook hands, rubbed elbows with everybody I could. Um, and then ultimately their support led them to retweeting so many stuff. And I got that opportunity to, to fight. Um, and on these local scenes, you're going to see that, man, you're going to see, you're going to see support for other guys. And uh, really, I, I've never really seen like a, especially in Pittsburgh, I've never seen a real bad, like, uh, local MMA scene, like where you got a bunch of fights out in the crowd and stuff like yeah, that. Nobody, yeah. nobody wants to take away. Like, here's the thing about going to a mixed martial arts show locally. You have absolutely no idea who you're getting in a fight with. That's the thing. Like, that's something you don't. It's, it's like, you, okay, you go to a WWE show, maybe get in a fight in a crowd or something. Your, your boy's getting, you know, beat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you know, mixed martial arts is a whole nother story. You don't go there because all of a sudden you've got, you know, some, uh, some guy drunk trash talking and he picks a fight with, uh, you know, a well-known coach in the area, you know, could you imagine you fought like somebody like Tommy Ankello for the fight with him? He don't look like much, but also I've seen that guy, you know, he, he's like 40, 50 years old, but man, he punches like a train and, uh, it's like, it's something you don't do. So I think a lot of people kind of get that uh in their head and i think it's real it's it's all good um it's good entertainment it's fun and you know you sit down and you could talk to like you go to these shows you could talk to anybody mm -hmm. it's like you don't have to feel like an outsider you just sit down at whatever table or chair you're sitting next to you talk to him hey do you know this guy do you know where, he, where he's fighting from what's he doing stuff like that so it's really cool um you start learning a little bit more about the uh, you know local businesses who sponsor the show and things like that so you're helping local businesses out too because now you're starting to get you're you're seeing different things but like oh there's a roofing company over there okay i'm gonna I'm going to give them a call. You know, they support the local guys here in Pittsburgh. I'm going to support them too. Um, so it's, it's really like kind of a shared, shared camaraderie that's built up um, just in the one like little arena, you know, and that's what it's, that's, that's what's so cool about 247. It's, it's um, to give notoriety to, to a lot of local businesses and they give notoriety to uh, the younger guys and they're building this sort of this professional, um, 
uh, way of, of looking at a local MMA scene that makes people, you know, want to start supporting some of these guys. And then, right. yeah. So when you come to these shows, man, you're, you're, it's a good time. It really is. You know, it's just, it's fun. Uh, it's a good atmosphere. Um, I've never had any issues. I don't know if anybody's really had any issues coming to these local fights. To be fair, you're you're six three, like two thirty, and pretty well, rich. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's nobody's picking a fight with you, even if they don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I guess. <laughs> but it's a good point, though, man, because like Pittsburgh, like I'm almost a parody of this fact right now. Like I'm literally wearing a black and yellow shirt with a brew gen- <laughs> a brew gentleman hat, you know, right right downtown. Like Pittsburghers love Pittsburgh things, so it's it's funny. And as much as Pittsburghers love sports, I always thought it was weird that MMA hasn't caught on maybe even more. So that, that's kind of just where I'm going to wrap up the podcast. There's just kind of encourage people to check it out, man. Like everything Adam just said is absolutely true. Like I guarantee you're going to have a good time. And even if you're like fringe interested in MMA, it's, it's something that you just, you got to check it out in person at some point. And, and I think like one of the craziest things that you'll enjoy that I enjoyed the first time I was ever at a, at a live fight was how freaking loud everything is like the kicks, the punches, like you don't hear this on TV and it just gives you such a better perspective of what these guys are doing. Like the first like hard body kick that lands at you here, you'll be like, Holy, (laughs) like they're doing that. Like that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's uh, yeah. People, people will enjoy it. It's a a great, if you're looking for a date night idea, that's great. Just take, take your, take your girlfriend, your wife to a two, four, seven show. They will absolutely love it. it it's something that's it, again, like I said before at the start, like mixed martial arts is unique, man. It's, it's so unique. It's like, you know, of course you could take them to a pirates ball game and watch the pirates lose. You could take it to the Steelers game. You could take them to whatever, um, you know, this painting with a twist or whatever weird date night <laughs> stuff, but take them to a two, four, seven, fight show man and they will remember that more than any bar any club you decide to take them to so yeah that's beautiful listen i can't say it any better than that man thank you so much adam for being our inaugural guest here uh, on our podcast that's awesome dude what a way to kick it off whoever's coming next has a lot to live up to so they can thank you for that but man enjoy the beer and the fire the doggo the cat that came to visit i'm happy to see you doing so well in your post-fight career man it's it's awesome and i can't wait to catch up to have one of these in person soon absolutely man sure cal say bye Cow. Up, 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 up. There, there you go. You. There Say he bye. is. The star of the show. <laughs> he actually looked. He's like, what? There? All right. Cool. All hey, right, man. Hey, brother. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Cheers, hey, dude. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. yeah, yeah. Got you. Got you. My my camera's cutting it off with the virtual <laughs> background, but we got you.